I'm fine, Dalinar said. Alethka, Alethala, you live there? It is our duty and our privilege, the woman said, to stay vigilant for the desolation. One kingdom to study the arts of war so that the others might have peace. We die so that you may live. It has ever been our place. Dalinar stood still, sorting through that. All who can fight are needed, the woman said, and all who have a desire to fight should be compelled to come to Alethala. Fighting, even this fighting against the ten deaths, changes a person. We can teach you so that it will not destroy you. Come to us. Dalinar found himself nodding. Every pasture needs three things, the woman said, voice changing, as if she were quoting from memory. Flocks to grow, herdmen's to tend, and watchers at the rim. We of Alethala are those watchers, the warriors who protect and fight. We maintain the terrible arts of killing and then pass them on to others when the desolation comes. Heroes of presents Stormpod, a Stormlight Archive podcast. Book one, The Way of Kings. This is just a quick reminder that there will be spoilers for chapters 18 and 19 in this episode. And if you haven't gotten there yet in the book, please go back and read and then come back and find us after. Um, We'll be here waiting for you very vigilantly. We are like the watchers at the rim. (laughs) Um, Enjoy the episodes. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Q, and with me, as always, is the man who would never bring a date to an assassination investigation. It's Jack. <laughs> Only I would now. Yeah. Would you After. listen? Uh, let me ask you a question. Was did I? Uh, was that joke better the first time or the second time? Uh, it just keeps getting better. Yeah. Um, for yeah. for anybody listening, um, we've already recorded this episode, um, and we, 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 we have. Yeah. I, I I don't remember. We have. Yeah. We already did this one. This is the second time we've done episode eleven. It's um, like it was erased it, it from was, existence. It was all a dream. Um, Great Scott. <laughs> we um we ended up uh, having some technical difficulties and we had to uh re-record so that's what we're doing now um i think that we're probably going to maybe make the original recording available because it's cu- quite hilarious my voice is like <laughs> deep as all hell it sounds really really off um, it, yeah it really it, it was very 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 interesting you're definitely channeling as we said you're channeling the barry white yeah but maybe something else. I don't know. It was very strange. Yeah, it was a very I, uh, weird. It sounded demonic almost. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think what we'll do is we'll end up uh, making it available like on the Patreon page. If anybody wants to listen to it, it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> it's like it's nearly a two hour podcast. So we talked about this, these two chapters for quite a long time that first time. But maybe maybe this ends up being better. Maybe we'll have a more concise uh, episode this time. <laughs> Well, uh, chapter 18, High Prince of War. Yeah. So so you, you started off uh, again with uh, one of the highlights, I think, of the chapter, yeah. which is 
of course, that Adeline brings his date, Janala, <laughs> yeah. while while investigating a potential assassination attempt yeah. on the king. Yeah, can you so, believe this guy? Can I you can't believe that he did I, this? Honestly, dude, like it is it's hilarious. I hope I, that I hope that Brandon Mr. Sanderson uh is just always chuckling about that uh aspect of Adeline's character. He's just so yeah. clueless when it comes to uh dude. Who, who he dates, you know, it's just funny. Yeah, it's it gets better, dude, too. It's it's so great. It's like one of my best, best, my favorite parts about Adeline. He's so awesome. Yeah. Um, but he brings he brings Janala oh. on his uh he's like taking her on a tour of like um the leatherwork shop where he's asking about the cut strap from the king. Right. Right. So I have in my notes he's asking two leather workers named uh Avaran and Yis. Mm-hmm. And they quite simply say in the text that they believe it was cut. Yes. Um they um, say that it's possible like that um, they can't be so careless because, um, you know, a, bu- a loose buckle could cut a strap like this. And Adeline's like, oh, so it could yeah. be a, mis- a mistake then. He's like, yeah, but it was definitely cut. It's, it's not from wear and tear. So it would appear that King Elokar might not be so paranoid. Right, exactly. But as I, but as I uh, guessed, I think a podcast ago or two, um, no, it was, it was last one, I think, uh, my guess uh, well, I guess I was just thinking, is it possible like theory or whatever? Yeah. I was just thinking that, is it possible that Elokar did it himself? Right. Is there, is, could there be another motive on behalf of the King to, I don't know, to have this assassination attempt. It, it almost, it almost looks really bad on, um, on Adeline's, uh, father on, uh, right. on Dalinar. Well, we got last, um, last chapters, we got the, this like really like, paranoid intense look that Elokar gave right. to Dalinar and Adeline and Adeline's like, he's looking at us like we did it. Yeah. Well, it, it would have been his men. Right. So Dalinar, I mean, if, if indeed the, the strap was, was cut, then it kind of falls on Dalinar's um, shoulders a little bit because it would have been on his watch. That's sort of, um, that's sort of against your point though, a little bit, because if uh, you thought that maybe Elokar did it himself, then mm-hmm. why is he so suspicious of Dalinar and Adeline? Do you know what I mean? So it's a little, they conflict a little well, bit. Well, I think, I think that uh, my, I think that my, my um, suspicion, let's say of, of Elokar doing it himself is somehow to frame Dalinar. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So I, I, I think, you're so you're saying that they, they could be combined. Like the two things do, do work together. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I don't, I don't know if that's where it's going to go. No, no idea. I, mean, I can't, um, uh, I can't tell you that, but I, uh, I like where you're going. I like, I, I sounds cool. <laughs> I like the fact that you have all the answers. I have all and, the answers. Uh, and I have nothing. This is and normally you're just, the other way and around. Every, and every podcast, you're just, you're just, you know, leading me along. And Dude, uh, this is our, this is our friendship only in reverse. Like for our whole friendship, you were the one with all the answers. You were my dungeon master. You had all the answers. And I was the one. Yeah. The tables have turned. They have turned. And underneath the table are the answers. So don't look there. (laughs) So then at the end of this POV here, um, uh, the horns sound. And that means there's a chrysalis nearby on a plateau. Yes. Um, For a moment, Adeline is very hopeful that maybe Dalinar will sound the third horn and that they're actually going to go for it. But that third horn never comes third horn does not well the third horn i think comes only 
uh, Dalinar is not going to act on. He's not going to try to compete with Sadius. Sadius's men were were, were closer for this chrysalis. So um, Adeline is yet again let down by his dad mm, for yeah. not for not you know for not jumping at the at the opportunity. Yeah, and then uh, he's he Adeline like kind of thinks to himself that like his resolve in these codes have just strengthened over the last six years, and it's it's changing him a little bit. Mm. As, uh, one of the little points is that Yanala wants uh, uh, Adeline to talk to Dalinar about changing their outfits. <laughs> the um, the military. Guys, yeah. Can, can you guys stop wearing these like ugly outfits when you go to war? It's just these pathetic. like um, blue and silver Sergeant Pepper coats that you guys are wearing are just not doing it for me. <laughs> Sergeant. Oh, I love that image, dude. That's yeah. great. It is. It's yeah. kind of like that when you see like fan art and stuff. Like you're not. Yeah. Allowed, you're not allowed looking yeah. at any of this stuff. No, I, 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 I have not. I haven't. You do see fan art. There's uh, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll I'll send you something that you're allowed to see. But uh, fan art of the um, the Dalinar uh, men are all. They all have that uh, that <laughs> blue and silver Sergeant Pepper look. <laughs> it was twenty years ago today. Um, <laughs> so 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 Janella. I mean, I've got a couple notes here just before we change the POV on this chapter. Yeah, yeah. For sure. um, wrote down a couple things. One um, was that it is mentioned that individually the, the the codes of war were inconvenient. Together in aggregate, they were burdensome. So these again, right. just sort of um, some musings uh, from uh, Adeline in his opinion of of things. Um, mm-hmm. I did also note that. Uh, that they numbered the plateaus. It says when the horns rang, they spotted uh, a chrysalis on plateau one forty seven. And right. I remember, I remember when I was talking to you uh, about this point, I was just curious as to whether or not, like, wow, like they've been here this long, they're numbering the plateaus, uh, yeah, exactly, or, or, yeah. or was it out of boredom? Like, they're, they're are, are 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 they naming them? You no, know, I just I, think I thought strategic, right? It's yeah, I mean, you know, it's organized, I suppose. I just, I just thought it was uh, an interesting little thing to uh, to ruminate on. Yeah. So we change POV. Change POV. Uh, Dalinar yeah. out overlooking the shattered plains. Yeah, he's hanging out with his uh, his number one girl, his number one scribe girl, Teshev. She's <laughs> Teshev. That's my What's girl. What's happening, Teshev? Uh, she's got uh, uh, blonde hair with streaks of black. Yeah. Violet eyes, I have. Violet eyes, yeah. She's the mm. uh, the head scribe. Those violet eyes <laughs> are watching you, man. We're gonna get sued by so many different. Those violet eyes. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, she's the uh, she's the head scribe of um, the um, of Dalinar's like uh, uh, people, and <laughs> he thinks to himself. Man, I should really get remarried. If I had gotten remarried, that'd be my head scribe. But he's like, I by getting married, we we talked about this already. By getting married, um, that would be filling a hole in his heart right. that's left by his dead wife. And because he can't remember anything about his dead wife, that hole that's left there is the only thing he's got left of her, and he doesn't want it filled. Yeah, that's my other highlight of this uh, chapter too. Yeah. So. So number one, definitely uh, bringing the date uh, to the assassination investigation. Yeah, uh, hilarious in this POV. Yeah, I mean the fact that it it notes that Dalinar has had everything taken away from him regarding his wife. So you're right; he has nothing, yeah. and and that nothingness is is uh, her. Yeah. So 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 if if he fills that hole, then she truly disappears. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. That's really that's, like that's, this uh, dude, this guy here, this Dalinar guy is so honorable that he don't he doesn't remember his wife. He doesn't remember anything about no, her. He, no. he and and she's and dead, and he's yeah. still guilty about it. And yeah. like I'm and a he's dude that feels guilty. I feel guilty when I have like a you know like a sexy dream about someone that's not my wife, and I feel super guilty about it. But this dude, <laughs> this dude has all the opportunity in the world. He can go out, like he can do whatever he wants. His wife is passed away, and he doesn't remember. Her, and he's still like, I feel a little guilty. I yeah, think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna I keep this hole in my heart a little bit longer. Yeah, <laughs> this hole in my heart. Um, can only be filled by you. We really are going to get sued, dude. We have to stop doing that. This is the this is the musical episode. This is it's a, it's like the Buffy episode. The by Prince of War. This is the, yeah the music. This is the musical episode. Yeah. Um, Dalinar uh, was also with Renarin and three members of the Cobalt Guard. But the topic, uh, just in mentioning about the Rishadiums, um uh, it was mentioned that that it would be good to to tame his horse, and he says, "I think you'll have uh, um, an easier time taming the high storm." Right. That was uh, yeah. Because they're talking of, about the uh, they're talking about the um, the saddle, right? And um, she she says, "No one witnessed anything in the uh, group. The the, uh, the the grooms don't know anything. The people that took care of the horses, and no one in the camp got any money. So there's no like payments that have been made for for assassination or anything." And she's like, it's too bad that we couldn't tame the Rashadiums because, like, the uh, um, a shard plate puts a lot of strain on these saddles on regular horses, and uh, mm-hmm. and that's when he, that's when he says that, like, you better tame a, a high storm. I, I yeah, I think that's great. That's like that's a great line. And then the two of them are discussing um, a few things uh, right. here. They, they are discussing. Um, some some political uh, goings ons that are happening. So basically, the high princes are not paying uh, their their dues on time, if you will. Right. And it mentions a few names: uh, yeah, Th- Thanadal, Hatham, and Vamar, all behind on their payments. Correct. Only Sadius and Dalinar have paid up front, as the right. tenants of war require. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's kind of cool. He, she she has him go through the king's ledgers. Um, and she, 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 he also says, I want you to read these books because it's important to know our history right now is the most important time in a kingdom's history. When the king who created the, the, the kingdom dies, their heirs lifetime is the hardest time in a kingdom. If they can get past this, then it could last forever, but this is the hardest time right now to keep things together and united. I, I've got here that it's a, a period where they, they need to stay or rather they they need to carry on long enough for the high princes to mm-hmm. see themselves as part of a greater whole. So I think that's right. that's part of the whole unite them kind of component, right. which I, I'm thinking is written reference to the high princes. But yeah, yeah. But because the book is so thematic, I'm I'm kind of not sure. Well, I could mean, be, it could be about a number of things. It, it could mean everything, right? It could mean everything. Mm. It could be really very mundane and very specific. We don't, we don't know that yet. Um, he he does. Delinar does think though that it's not just important to uh, to to unite the High Princes because mm. of uh, it was Gavilar's dream to have a united Alethkar, but it's important because the Everstorm comes, the true desolation, the Night of Sorrows. I think you actually read that quote uh, last time we did this pod. Um, yeah, but it's just a, a quick like remembrance that there's something greater coming, and Dalinar seems to be aware of it. 
maybe because of his um his his visions i like also that uh he comes up with this bit of scheme a, a, a bit of an incentive with teshif about um um having the cost of the soul casting be mm-hmm. less for high princes that that pay up front yeah um so it sort of in, in, incentivizes them to uh, obey and adhere to the tenets of the codes of war. But also, as we were mentioning before, that, you know, Dalinar doesn't want this war to keep going on. So part of the reason why the high princes are delaying paying is that they they don't want to pay high prices for soul casting for food when they can just grow it. Let's just get crops in the ground here and, and make right. it permanent. And I think that that that's a threat to Dalinar or that's something that he does not want. He doesn't want this war to keep going in perpetuity. He doesn't want plants, plants in the ground from these uh, war camps. He wants to, mm-hmm. you know, um, wants to get out of here basically. Yeah, exactly. He says later, and like, I think we'll get to it later, but he says later that um, um, all of Alethkar is empty now and right. they can't, uh, they can't hold two centers of power at once. You know, they're trying to hold here the uh, Shattered Plains. They have literally every High Prince and all the Shard Bears here with them. So there's like literally no one back home protecting back home. So he's just, he doesn't see mm-hmm. how this can, can really be a benefit at all for the kingdom. It could be benefit for each High Prince to make money and stuff, but that's not mm-hmm. really what's going to keep Renarin safe and the, the, the nation whole. Well, and also that sort of ties in with the reports that he got from Teshiv in this uh, in this point of view um, that the rates of banditry are quite alarming, right? Um, and that he doesn't want a land of lawlessness. So um, the longer you stay here, yeah, the, like the the weaker things get back home. So um, she also I, I, says that they've uh, they've dedicated like one third of their army to these banditries and these like um uh, like all mm-hmm. this stuff. So like. They really have a very smaller army now than they normally would because they've dedicated all their troops to other things. Mm. Well, if if these other things arise, then you you have two choices: you either um, send some of your men to deal with it or not. Right. So, and they're the only ones, right? Like none of the other high princes are dealing with it. So, right. yeah. Um, so that's it. Yeah. So, and I was uh, going back to you mentioning it, it does say in the text, the Everstorm comes, the true mm-hmm. desolation, and the Night of Sorrows. Those are all things I'm not that familiar with. Mm-hmm. Well, you hear about the desolations in the next chapter. Yes. So, but but in terms of referencing the true desolation, right? Um, I don't know what that refers to. Um, the other two phrases are you've heard oh, mm, Everstorm, but you haven't heard Night of Sorrows yet. Oh, I haven't heard tonight. Uh, you just don't know anything about them, but you have heard the um, the phrase "Everstorm." I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Dalinar has said it already. Or the I'm n- remembering the last time we did this podcast, <laughs> the Night of Sorrows. At least it sounds cool. It does. Sign me up. Yeah, a it Night sounds of like Sorrows. A, hey, like I'll a, go. It's like a um, uh, like a goth night playing charades or something. So it's like the Night of Sorrows, the Night of Weeping. Yeah, just like the, it's just literally the Lost Boys <laughs> playing on a loop while like people in black clothing cry. Um, I smell got- a lawsuit. <laughs> um, I have I have here that uh, a missive was drawn up um, to the effect of uh, the uh, the payment um, and that Teshev um, wishes that her husband was fighting. Um, yes. 
other uh, because uh, he has a chance to Renard's win a shard like, blade. It's it's because Renarin's like, well, she wasn't very happy, sir, when when the horn sounds, but Dalinar doesn't sound the horn to let's go, let's go get this gem heart. When he doesn't mm-hmm. sound it, Renarin's like, he did. She wasn't very happy about that, and Dalinar says it's because she's hoping that will win shard plate or shard blades and her husband will be rewarded. So all the, all the men are hoping that too, right? Like they're hoping that they're going to go out there make money and, and hopefully get, um, beat a shard bear. But like mm-hmm. Delinar's like, that's not how I play anymore. Ho- homie don't play that. I mean, <laughs> Hey, uh, what's with this? Uh, nobody knows or appears to know where the Parshendi get their shard blades. Mm-hmm. Well, it's um. You probably can't elaborate I on that for really me. Yeah, chapter eighteen. Really, okay. What I can say is this: that that's that's Alfkar, interesting. Being the kind of country that Alfkar is, um, mm-hmm. they are probably aware of each country's shard bearers and shard blades, right? Mm-hmm. They know who has what, and mm-hmm. the thing that's weird is that they didn't think that the Parshendi would have that equipment. You know, when they first met them and started making a peace treaty with them, they didn't seem like they were sophisticated enough to have that kind of weaponry. So the fact that they do is a mystery. So after this missive or communication is drawn up, I think Teshev and uh, Dalinar's business is done. And then yeah. Dalinar is meeting with his son, Renarin. And yeah. I do, I do like this point or, or this little conversation between the two of them because I like it too. they are, they're it's talking are talking about um you know Bernarin being able to continue training and perhaps even acquiring a um a shard uh blade mm. and if he had the shard blade then he would he he might be able to you know um be more than what he is now uh in terms of the training because right now he's having great difficulty but in the shard plate he probably do a lot more right right and he this is a reaction to renar and having run out onto the battlefield against the great shell and you know dalinar's like you could have got yourself killed like and Mm. and he's like yeah but i mean i i couldn't just sit there and watch you die out there so he had to Um, go out there and do something even he didn't have any armor he didn't have any weapons he's just like remember i was all like you yeah that but 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 for me it's weird like i didn't interpret it as a big uh sort of weak uh weak kind of or or oddity kind of moment for renarin i actually interpreted a bit like how um uh you know a captain america kind of character mm-hmm. uh, jumped on the on the uh, grenade uh right. to protect to protect those around him like he just he didn't care right um so and again, and again, that sort of plays to the fact that Dalinar says that the wit is right. You know, I have I have also underestimated you, Renarin, and that's why he yeah. gives him. Well, he, uh, he says, he "I give you my oath. If I capture a blade and plate, mm-hmm. they, they will go to you." Let's be clear about this, though. He doesn't say to Renarin that I underestimated you. He thinks to himself that uh, the wit was right. I underestimated my son because he doesn't say that out loud to Renarin, but he does definitely think it. He doesn't communicate it to to Renarin. Right. Uh, it's a it's a thought in his in his head. Yeah, yeah. He says to him like you know just and just because um like we'll we'll I'll like he said I'll promise you that I'll get you a plate and blade and then we'll be able to train. And he says, yeah. but but if but if not, not fighting is is okay. You know, their their excellence in any man or woman is important, right? And then mm. they start talking about Dalinar starts talking about the the calling and the glory, right? You pick a profession. Mm. 
which is the calling, and you pick an attribute of the Almighty, which is the glory, and then you mm. work your best and your life to try to do to live your life according to those two things. And we, and we were kind of comparing those uh, last time with uh, stats in Dungeons and Dragons yeah, Fifth Edition yeah. Yeah, to like picking it. your to picking your 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 personality your traits, your background, yeah. and your your um, your your um, what's the other one? Um, your like uh, um, your personality, your um, your like your class and your uh, background. You know, like your your class yeah. might be a leader. Like Dalinar's class is like a leader, and his you know background is or his uh, personality traits are like determination. Um, mm. Yeah, so I, I really like this uh, this comparison. It, it, it makes sense to me. The, the 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 ideals, bonds, and flaws. Right. Yeah, that's no, it. Yeah, that's are, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think it's yeah. really cool. It definitely has a a D and D ness to it. Like this whole, you know, you pick a calling, you pick a glory, and then that's your character, right? Like mm, it sounds mm-hmm. like it would be on a character sheet. You would just do that. Um, then the, then the point of view changes again. Right. We we switch back over to back to Adeline, and now Adeline is yeah. at the temple with a man named Kadash. Oh, first of all, he's with Janala, his date. So after yeah. the after the super fun outing of investigating an assassination with your girl, isn't this fun? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go hang out at the temple. Yeah, and, Re- and religion's sexy. Is that what I say? He says no. Religion's yeah. romantic. Religion's romantic. What are you talking about? Religion. <laughs> let's do it. Go hang out it's at the synagogue. This is awesome. It's kind of funny because, like, um, you know, romantic as in a like um, a date between two like uh, two people is one thing, but then you can talk about like the romantic studies and religion is kind of romantic study. So it's mm. it's pretty funny. There's a little bit of wordplay going on there. <laughs> but uh, Kadash is like a, an ardent, right? We know that he's like a. Um, sort of like a priest but not really we find out in this pov yeah. that he's definitely not a priest <laughs> don't call him a priest um he's a tall man he's a tall man in later years he's got a shaved head um he's got a square beard of his calling so whatever his calling is which i'm guessing it's ardent um he's got a square beard and so i guess most ardents have the beard um and he's got a twisting scar around the top of his head <laughs> he used to be a light eyes soldier but now he's to be a light eyes. And uh, I think uh, Janala is obviously not happy to be here at the temple during this further investigating. So Adeline is like, I'm going to have to buy her something really expensive to make up for (laughs) this. And then even later on, he says, I don't think it matters. I I don't think I can, there's nothing I could buy. That's going to make her happy. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of curious. I, I wrote down that that the description of the Voran temples were always circular, sloping uh, with a sloping mound at the center. And I was mentioning to you last time that this reminded me of the currency, reminded right. me of, of the spheres. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Yeah. There's definitely some uh, some like uh, imagery stuff going on there. It's my father going mad. Right. So he's asking Kadash about his father going mad. Yeah. Yeah, and then like, Kadash is like, is he, "Do you know of the hierocracy? Yeah, war of loss. That the church tried to seize control, and mm-hmm. the priests tried to conquer the world. Church clung to knowledge. The priests controlled the doctrine. Follow mm-hmm. the priests as opposed to the Almighty or the heralds." Yeah. I thought I thought that was interesting information for yeah. sure. Yeah, because the priests started um, claiming that there were they, they were having visions and prophecies from the Almighty. So it's almost like like I had a vision last night, 
And this is now what you all have to believe. It's totally like a cult, man. You, you know, you hear about like all the, the starting of Mormonism and the starting of like, you know, children's gate and all, or whatever the heaven's gate and all this stuff. That's what they do. Right. They're like, I had a vision last night and now you all have to wear purple. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? on, on Tuesdays, on just on Tuesdays, it's called purple Tuesdays. I get um, to marry a lot of women. Right. It's uh, so, so that's kind of like what the, these guys were doing, right? Like they were kind of making up prophecies and visions to be able to control everything. And, mm-hmm. um, and, but then the, the, the doing that was denounced even by the heralds, right? It, it sounds, it sounds kind of familiar. I don't know from where, I don't know how, but it sounds yeah. familiar. Sounds very familiar. Um, <sighs> eventually the sun maker, that's the only name that they give this person. The Sunmaker mm. discovered the lies about the prophecies, and he's the one who kind of initiated the the, um, the downfall of the priests in the hierarchy. Um, I have here that Kadash leads Adelin um, back to the rim of the temple, and they pass by statues yeah. of the heralds, five male and five female. Mm-hmm. Remember mentioning that last time. Again, yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious as to why that is. Um, and then you're right. I mean, the pro- the problem was mysticism that the priests were right. uh, claimed that common men could not understand the Almighty. Um, right. so, so there was no openness. It was all what I think was referred to in the text as smoke and whispers. Mm-hmm. And and I mentioned to you last time that I, a great quote that I love a lot is um, "obscurity is a fraud to hide nothing." Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love that. It's totally, you know, it's Wizard of Oz, you know, it's, uh, you know, believe in this, but don't, don't look behind the curtain because you, you, you couldn't possibly understand. Right. And, and meanwhile, it's just, you know, a guy on gears and. Yeah. You compared uh, it to uh, the Protestant Reformation, you know, he, well, yeah, I mean, Martin Luther's like, we don't need you to tell us how to believe in God. We, everyone can believe in God ourselves. We don't need you to control how we do it. Correct. Well, we, we, I think the, uh, one of the biggest components of that was that we, we can go to God directly. Right. We don't need the middleman. Uh, correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that, that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. We find out here that Adeline, um, is a, uh, his uh, calling is, um, dueling and clearly he can't do any dueling because of damn the codes. I hate you codes. <laughs> um, <laughs> he uh, he can't do the call. I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for all you pesky codes. <laughs> if it wasn't for you codes and the dog too. Uh, um, right. Yeah, but he um, uh, and, the, Kadesh, and the little dog too. Kadash says to him, like you know, next time, like you come and see me soon. We'll talk about your uh, your calling. It's been long mm. since you've been elevated, and elevated is with a capital E. So we're not really sure what that means, but it's obviously having to do something with the calling. Mm. I really love that conversation about the, uh, the religion though. It's kind of, uh, it's some nice world building there and I, I really enjoy it. And POV goes back to Dalinar. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dalinar has easy access to the King. So he's heading in to see the King and yeah. someone, else, and there's a high prince outside waiting to see the yeah, King. This Ruthar. is Ruthar. Yeah. Yeah. Ruthar. And, um, and Dalinar just, just goes in and it mentions in the text that a lot of the high princes don't like that, that just Dalinar gets, you know, easy and, and complete access right. uh, to the king. I um, kind of get that, so don't that, you? Like, I, I, well, I, I, I get it. 
I mean, I, it's just, you know, roles are roles and, you know, uh, he is, the, he is the King's uncle. He is the assassinated King's brother. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in many respects, if had, had Dalinar wanted, he could have the throne, right? right. So it, it's not like a, a big stretch for him to have access. I, I just think what they're doing here in the, in terms of the storytelling is they're just trying to increase um subtly how so many of the other high princes you know hold things against dalinar right even little things can be we, uh, things, we didn't right? uh, we didn't go through it earlier um but uh we will at the um at the uh the the uh, the info dump at the end but um at the beginning of the chapter when uh remember i told you that there was this picture of all the different um all the different war camps and um on the bottom there yeah, was a list so- of all the names Right, and so that that picture is not in my mm-hmm. uh, paperback version of this uh, of of the Way of Kings. Yeah, it's it's so in my, I don't... my hardcover. Um, but uh, the 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 point of me bringing this up is that all the different names of all the different high princes on that list are all last names except for Dalinar. Mm-hmm. Everyone calls him Dalinar, not Colin. Sadius, Sadius isn't his first name. That's his last name. Vama, his last name. Ruthar, last name. Mm. Dalinar is his first name. They don't call him Colin. They call him Dalinar. So just a little, a little extra sauce there for the, for your steak. Um, not quite sure what to make of that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting, right? Um, mm. the, the, the high princes are super focused on, um, on like making money and riches and Dalinar suggests to him maybe that they should start looking at the war effort differently. Like he goes up, sees uh, um, he sees Elokar. They they go onto the balcony to talk privately, and Dalinar is like, maybe this is the time. So he says, you know, maybe you should look at the war differently because we're making lots of money, yeah, but what are we really doing? Well, Elokar is, you know, it, it very sort of quickly when when uh, Dalinar suggests perhaps. Perhaps we, we should uh, consider other options, like maybe uh, uh, discussing how to return to Alethkar. Mm-hmm. And, and Elokar is like, no, we are going to keep fighting until the Vengeance Pact has been satisfied. Yeah. And my father revenged. And I, and I wrote down in my notes, I was interested in the choice of word is satisfied because it just, it's like a hunger. That, mm-hmm. that needs to just keep being fed this war, you know, being here and, you know, killing the Parshendi and maybe gaining a little ground, but not really. It's just, you're just feeding this, this hole that, yeah. that can't be filled. So I found that a little bit sinister, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, word from back home is that the, even the borders are weakening. So you've got the banditry sort of stuff happening. Yeah. And then you've also got back home, the, the Reshi, the Reshi border encroachments are growing increasingly bold. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they have their talk, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Elokar is, is calling him out and saying, yeah, it's true what they're, what they're saying about you. Yeah. Your effect, your episodes are affecting your judgment. Mm. Um, like do you, and then he says to him, he says, do you wish to see my face, my father's face instead of mine? And Dalinar's like, yes, of course. Like I'd be a poor brother for not wanting him back, but that doesn't mean right. I think you're a failure. That doesn't mean I don't right. think you're an okay. You're a good King. Hmm. And then, I also I also like when they when he's asking him when Dalinar asks him what what are you willing to give mm-hmm. or, in order to get vengeance and and Elokar says anything 
right? Which, which again contrasts um, anything um, reasonable. Thing reasonable from yeah. Kalan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's great. Or sorry, uh, not, sorry, uh, not, no, sorry, I, I, not Kalan, Shalon. Shalon, yeah. But, it's been a little um, bit since you read about her, so. I know, I, I miss Shalon. Oh, I Shalon. like my Shalon. Oh, I draw the uh, picture, um, Shalon. So the author of the uh, Codes of War, so we get mm-hmm. a name here, yeah. um, and it's Nohadon, and you had mentioned to me that that name was previously mentioned in another chapter when we were uh, getting to know yeah. Shalon and her efforts to get closer yeah, I to asked you, I was like, Hey, do you think any of these names of these authors or these books are going to play a part in this series at all? Or are these just like throwaway things? And you're like, ah, I don't know that maybe they could, but you know, probably just throwaway things. And then the book, the way of Kings is written by one of those authors. Right. And that's like the central part of this story is the, the it's called the way of Kings. So this book is clearly important to Dalinar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then I have it that, um, yeah, like, uh, sorry, Elokar says, you know, you've been reading that book again. Um, uh, Dal- reading, you're doing reading. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Or he's, <laughs> at least he's listening. Yeah. You've been listening to that book again. You've been having someone read that book to you because you can't read. Um, and you sound, <laughs> you, know, you sound like, uh, you sound like my father near the end. You start, he, you're starting to act erratically. Like talking about the end of mm-hmm. wars and the lost radiance and the codes. Um, there's actually a quote here I want to read to you. Okay. There's a little mm. part here that I want to read. Okay. Um, it's a, a part where we get to actually hear. This is a memory that Dalinar's, a quick memory that Dalinar's having of Gavilar talking to him. It says, Dalinar remembered those days and his own arguments with Dal- uh, Gavilar. Now, this is Gavilar speaking. What honor can we find on the battlefield while our people starve? The king once mm-hmm. asked him. Is it honor when our light eyes plot and scheme like eels in a bucket slithering over one another and trying to bite each other's tails? I um, And then he said, Dalinar says, like, uh, Dalinar reacted poorly to his own, uh, to, to his words, just as Alakar reacted to his words now. Stormfather, I am starting to sound like him, aren't I? Um, mm-hmm. I like that for two reasons. One, it's an admission that, yeah, Dalinar's changing just like his brother changed near the end. And the other thing is we don't get a lot from Gavlar. We got that one chapter where Zeth, you know, no. killed him, but we oh. don't have anything from Gavlar. It's really just what people say about him. But these two lines are, are, are because they're in italics. Said. Yeah. These are lines from Gavlar's mouth. So I like that. I like that. We actually get some just even brief dialogue from Gavlar. It's cool. Mm. It is cool. Hmm. Of course, um, to, to finish off this this chapter, the um, the yeah, storm. So, yeah, sorry. Storm yeah, sorry. There's there's one point that I want to say here before we uh, we get move on. Um, Dalinar uh, realizes that the king and the high princes are never going to agree to leave the shattered plains, but he does remember that Adeline, um made a suggestion to him before about maybe intensifying the war instead of like shrinking and going home. Let's strike at the heart of this thing and really try to end it and um they have to pursue a more aggressive attack against the parshendi and that's why he's like make me the high prince of war high prince of war yeah right um and, and then and then of course elokar is saying to him well you know if i'm to do that it's going to ruffle a lot of feathers given yeah. how you how you've been behaving like we haven't had the black thorn we've had right. Dal- dalinar the 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 once great war hero who is literally going mad, going 
going into fits whenever storms arise. You're see, you're having mm-hmm. visions. People are talking about you. You're not so interested in competition. You're not engaging with the other high princes and being yeah. competitive. You're not uh, you're not doing any duels. Um, so all of that to say that Elokar is is if if I'm gonna if, if I'm gonna name you High Prince of War, you're gonna have to prove to me that the other high princes will follow right. you. Yeah, so he's like, okay, he's like, I that's that sounds right, right? Because if he is going to convince everybody to intensify the war, they have to they have to be able to like even just work with him on normal stuff, right? So it's a it's a good compromise. It's it's actually quite clever of Elokar to to put that stipulation in. I think so too, because um, but I also think. Just because I'm suspicious of Elokar for some reason, I don't know why. Yeah. But it, but I, I almost feel like okay, it's kind of a, it keeps it safe on his end because right. he, he he I don't know I I think that there's a scheme brewing and there's no chance that that Dalinar can actually get the high princes behind him. Yeah, that's cool. I um I, I re- I'm really yeah, liking I, this. I, uh, I'm really liking this. Um, don't, I right. don't know. I got, again, I don't know if that suspicion is founded. I just no. It just seemed, yeah. It's all because of that 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 saddle, man. I'm telling you, when when it was discussed that it was cut, and and then it was just Elokar seemed to be going mad about it, and then a little investigation reveals that yeah, it, it probably was cut. But yeah. then, but because you're discussing it and thinking, well, it's not a great assassination attempt anyway. So why why bother? Why why do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, having access to the horse, the easiest access would be for the king, right? Uh, especially given where the cut was placed under the saddle. So, mm-hmm. anyway, so I don't know. We'll see. So then, the uh, like you said before, the storm hits, and Dalinar is not able to get back to his private sanctum in time. So he ends up going into like a seizure right in the middle of a barracks of a bunch the of barracks. Men. Yeah, yeah. Which is also also not good for him, right? Because again, no, you're sure not. you're having a vision. But chapter nineteen, Starfalls, we actually get to see, or rather, read about one of these visions, right? So um, this was an intense chapter. It was very, very intense. I loved it. Yeah. It kind of harkened for me back to the intensity of the chapter Bridge Four. Yeah, it really does, eh? It's um, very intense and very, uh, very scary too. Like, totally. It, it's it's right out of a it's right out of a horror. It's it, or an X Files episode or yeah. something like that. So Dalinar blinks and he's no longer in the barracks. He's got no sidearm, no uniform. He's literally in like a old style belted tunic and sandals. And um, he realizes quickly that he's like in someone else's life again. Uh, he's had like twelve of these visions, and in each of these visions, they're all different. And he's always in someone else's life. Like he, you know, people don't see him as Dalinar. They see him as whoever he is like living through. Right. Mm. His shard. It's funny. He's always reaching for his shard blade in these visions and, uh, and it it never comes to him Mm -hmm. during these visions. But again, it's because he's inhabiting somebody else. And in this case, he's inhabiting someone named Heb. Right. And, um, and these, these dark, black things oh, yeah. uh, attack and i these love the way awesome. that love the, the 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 description of these things and again i mentioned it last time it's just because it's 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 a bit vague 
in terms of how they're, they're being described. And I find it leads a lot to, uh, or leaves a lot for the imagination to sort of fill in the blanks, which is great. Yeah, the, the one little description that we do get is that they have smooth skin, dark as midnight, mm. no visible eyes, black mm. knife-like teeth, a boneless mm. neck, six legs slender and bent at the sides. Dalinar says this not, it is not a vision. It's a nightmare. Hmm. Yeah, that's just really cool. That was that was one of my highlights was him mentioning that that this yeah. wasn't a vision, that this was a nightmare for sure. Yeah. That, that, that is one of my so highlights. So he's uh let's just run it down quickly here. He's in a, the he's in the farm. He's at the farm at the barn, I think, and he um he runs into the house to save the girl. Or he runs to the barn to save the girl and then brings her back to the house. Yeah, he he gra- he grabs the girl. Well well, first of all, when when he first encounters one of these uh dark uh, black things it yeah. uh, it it explodes from the far wall right, of this, right. this of this barn that that he's in so it comes crashing in and the creature is sniffing for them so dalinar picks up on this and he kicks the beast and grabs a, a sack of of this grain lavis grain yeah fragrant cloud of, of dusty lavis grain you know goes into the air and the creature hisses because the creature is now uh confused by this scent Mm-hmm. the grain and now is losing them yeah. and Dal- Dalinar just you know takes complete um advantage of this moment grabs the girl and heads out the broken wall where the creature yeah. snow uh, came in <laughs> yeah. he's literally doing it he's, he's doing a double move right here he's like I am doing a double move running to the farmhouse the creature is bounding behind them a middle-aged woman is inside of the farmhouse and says you found her Heb and that's that's where we get to know the the name yeah and uh obviously confused he's never seen this woman in his life so um the creature uh of course pursues um and and lands on top of dalinar cutting open his cheek yeah they, they crash against a window shattering the the frame um throws the creature off and the battle thrill surges within him yeah and, and he looks immediately for for weaponry he grabs an iron poker uh, gleaming like one of the honor blades of ancient lore. Mm-hmm. There's, a couple of times here, there's a couple of times here where he has to remind himself. It's so intense. He has to remind himself that this is a, a vision. Like he's buying in so completely into the fear and to the, like um, the exhaustion and the, the, the um, actual strength it takes to fight these things that he has to mm-hmm. remind himself that it's not real, which is really intense. Well, I mean, as as I in one of my notes that I have here, and again, this was one of, one of my highlights of this chapter for sure, is vision, memory, or delusion. He could not stand aside and allow right. these events to unfold without acting. So yeah. it does it doesn't matter if this is uh, you know just uh, something he's witnessing and and has no effect on. He's he's going to do whatever he can, no matter what it is. Yeah, I just love again. I love that about him. He's Me just. Too. I mean. It's Me it kind of go, goes back to the whole whole. He doesn't want to replace the whole of his of his uh, wife because it'll erase her because the whole is her, right? And so he's willing to honor her that way. And similarly, in, in in these visions, even if he doesn't think it's real, he's still willing to act. Right, he has to. It's part of him, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So the, that's, um, that's super great. Yeah, you you mentioned the thrill the, that uh, the thrill of battle. Um, Dal- Dalinar, uh, like kind of tells us that it doesn't enrage him 
as it does some people like for him it like it's like almost like an adrenaline boost like things become clearer and crisper his muscles move easier and he can breathe more deeply he literally comes alive when this thrill hits him Mm. it's clear and crisper like Mm. that he um he ends up uh, uh, um killing one in the mouth he like wounds one in the mouth and then he gets up and grabs, and this is one of your favorite parts. He ends up grabbing, he's got the fire poker in one hand and then he grabs a oh table God. leg in the other. And now because he, he was discussing earlier, he was yeah. going, he, he's been trained in classical wind stance. So this right. is the fir- first time this term has uh, come forward. Um, but that he fell into smoke stance and smoke stance. He, he, he's very uh, adept at a, at a particular form called sword and knife. Mm-hmm. But, it, but in this story, it's, it's iron poker and table leg. Yeah. My dude spent his uh, third level feet on two weapon fighting. Mm. <laughs> it's great. It's just, yeah. it's wonderful. And, and of course, adding on to like the fighting stances. I mean, that's, that's just yeah. great uh, geekery there. So I was, yeah, really he, geeky he realizes that. that he realizes that there's tons of them outside. So he, he like, he's like, I got to end this fight quicker because I'm going to become way too tired if I fight this thing for too long. So he mm. like quickly dispatches them. And then once he, he defeats them, the lady that's in there, who's his wife is all like, Oh my God, you could fight. You're fighting like one of the radiance. <laughs> I like how, how they describe, uh, I like this, the body deflating, like a, le- a le- like a leaking wine skin. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was a nice, it bleeds nice smoke, right? When he cuts them, it bleeds smoke. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's really fangs. Cool. Fangs ripped free of Dalinar's shoulder with a spray of blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so great. There's some great uh, reading in there. Um, the folk, let the thrill give you focus. Kill the beast. Yeah, and then she screams out, three gods, Heb. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're fighting like a radiant. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, oh my god. <laughs> and then Renarn comes in and goes, Dad, father, is there something I can help you with? <laughs> oh geez well actually he asks her he's like yeah so he's asking her for for shelter he says well can we get to a cave uh nearby and she's she remarks like how would how would how would men make a hole in the rock like right. no there, there's there's no cave and then he's and then he says well how, well, how about a river so we can wash away right. our scent Again, I love the way he thinks. This is so awesome. Like, I love the fact that it's just, you know, like his thought process is just, you know, safety first. I've got to, you know, if not a cave, then a, then a river. You know, it's just, he's just knows one step after the other. It's great. He know, he knows that these things are detecting them through scent because he saw them sniffing and they don't have any eyes. So he's like, the only way they can find us by scent. So if we can go, go somewhere and wash our scents off of us, like a river, then we might actually be able to get away. Mm-hmm. And even if that means waiting in the river and traveling by river for a while, that they could still get away. Oh, I love this so much. This description bundles of blackness. And again, my two favorite words to describe these creatures living night. Yeah. Yeah, they're really scary, these things. Love that. Living night. Yeah. Wicked. I love it. That's they it. End up, um, they end up trying to get away, but then they end up getting surrounded. And um, they end up finding a rock formation that they're like making their last stand on. And this is when I told you that this is like what the part that kind of remind me of pitch black. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mm-hmm. uh, these these creatures all over the place. You know, he's literally swinging these, this table leg and this fire poker oh, in desperation, poker. Yeah. just trying to keep them away. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Yeah, he he says. Uh, well, one of, well, one of the creature. Well, we we so just before this moment, we actually find out that that the little girl is her name is Celie, and the woman's right. named Taffa. Right, uh, right. Then, of course, yeah, you're right. When when they get surrounded, um, uh, one of the creatures uh, seriously injures Taffa, the, the and then also uh, injuring further um, uh, Dalinar. Yeah, or or Heb, I suppose. Yeah. And then there's an intervention. Well, he says he, right before he's all like, he screams up to the sky, right? He's all like, why are you showing me this? Right. Like he's yeah. like, he's not bought. He has completely not bought into the vision right now. Right now he's yelling at the vision. Well, why I, must I, I live this vision? I think that's the moment where he doubts the purpose. Right. And it's kind of like, because at that moment, you, you, you got to figure he's just fought them off. He's done everything he can. There's yeah. too many, there's too many of them. They've surrounded them. They're going to die. And rightly so, because before he's shouting out, you know, why are you showing me this? Taffa gets seriously wounded and he takes yeah. another injury. Like he knows it's over. Yeah, and he, I, I feel like he's, I feel like he's mad at the sky or whoever's sending this vision to him. Cause he's going to have to sit here and watch this little girl and this woman die. Yeah. You know well, I mean? and and also himself too. Like he, right, he ripped right. apart. So, but he looks up and he sees the star falls. Right, a brilliant, brilliant blue light blue falling light. from the sky. Not a star, but a man in glowing yeah. blue shard plate and shard blade. Yeah, trails of starlight rising from his body. His eyes almost white. Yeah, he says that it's unlike any other shard bear or shard plate he had ever seen before. The plate mm-hmm. glows in blue light. Glyphs are etched in the armor. Some of the glyphs he's seen before, some of them he didn't. Um, and then the shard bearer has these eyes that are bright blue, so much so that they're almost white. And there is stormlight just leaking out of them. His uh, his skin is brown like the Makabaki, and his hair is short, curly black. He also recognizes a symbol on the breastplate of of uh, one of these warriors, at least the right. stylized the 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 double eye that um, we've seen in the paperback. Right. You know, you know, just before each chapter, there are these uh, there, there are these little uh, banners, these stone kind of bas relief kind of things. And the bottom images on left and right of this banner uh, highlighting each chapter, there's an eye depicted with two pupils. Right. So, and that is also on the breastplate of one of these warriors. Yeah, he says that um, it's the um, it's a symbol of the radiance, right? I think that's yeah. What he it says is. the symbol for the knight's radiant. That's what it is. Symbol of lost radiance, uh, also, but here called the the, the knight's, the knight's right. radiant. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then um, Taffa's side is all like torn right out. Right, she's gonna mm-hmm. die. And then another shard bearer comes. Hmm. Female. Yeah, she's a, a woman in shard plate, and uh, um, she holds this like topaz. Um, and that's entwined Theodore. with a Heliodor, yeah, and it, they're both in like this metal frame, and uh, she's holding it, and it's like the, the, these two gems are each gem is like as big as a man's hand, and um, she's holding them, and then uh, like ends up healing Taffa, right? Her flesh yeah. regrows instantly. Um, mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. cool. This chick's cool too, man. This shard bearer has got like. Um, uh, amber light glowing off of it. Um, her sh- she throws her hand out and she's got a shard blade. And Dalinar's like, "Holy crap! A female shard bearer!" Like, 
he's never seen that before. Mm, super awesome. I mm. love it. Um, and then of course, uh, they dispatch, of course, the, the, the threat as well as yeah. uh, heal, heal them. But, um, they, um, the cool part is that Dalinar gets in the fight anyways. Oh, then, and this is, again, this is another great highlight of this, yeah. of this chapter is that, uh, when, when, the, when they, when they finish this battle, he gets up with iron poker and table leg and yeah. helps. Like, so again, he doesn't need to, they've just landed. Um, they're clearly extremely powerful. They probably got this, but he's like, no, no, I, I can do something. So I'm yeah. going to do something. Yeah. He goes out there and he starts showing such prowess that they, the three of them just fall into rhythm together and they end up forming like a tactical triangle and they just raise hell, man. They just, they're just awesome. So after that, after after that fight, they're they're very interested because like, they they were looking at his form and saying, "Well, that's that's you know, I've never quite seen that uh, way of fighting before." But obviously, it took some 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 skill and great training to get there. Mm. So they're actually admiring him during the battle. Yeah, there's a couple of times here where Dalinar is like, "Where did their helmets go?" Yeah, uh, it, it, it's it in in the text, it's almost like the the helms keep appearing and just disappearing. Moment right. to moment. Yeah, and Dal- Dalinar is like confused by it. He's like, where did it go? Like, and oh, of course Dalinar was going to notice that, right? <laughs> like, mm. but yeah, he says, you should, you fight really well. Like, you should come to Urithiru. Urithiru, yeah. Dalinar yep. thinks to himself, I've heard that name before, actually. I, I think I've heard mm. that before. I think this is also the moment where the, uh, the male, uh, Shardbearer, uh, 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 launches into the air as if falling straight up. Yes, yes. Again, I love the way that's worded because it's it sort of implies a different uh, a different physics, um, and also implies certainly the the use of the the um, stormlight that we saw Zeth assassinate right. the king with. There's when definitely a little callback to that. Yeah, there's definitely, and then no and then Dalinar is left with the with the female here, and uh, he asks her, you know, what what year is this? Like, and where am I? And she replies, mm-hmm. it's the eighth epoch, uh, three thirty seven, and this is the kingdom of Natanatan. Right, and, and he's like Natanatan. He's like, that's where the shattered plains are. Like mm-hmm. the the kingdom of Natanatan has been gone for centuries. Um, he asked them, like, uh, are, so do, they, do you fight for the king of Natanatan? And they're like, no, we don't fight for, for any specific king. He's like, uh, we're from Urithiru, and that's where we get our orders. But uh, we live all across Alethala. And then he's Lethala, like, Alethala, right. yeah. That's I, um, what Alethkar yeah, sort of became, right? Yeah, exactly. I had read you before this... Um, this uh, um, quote, I actually will read it um, at the beginning of our episode. So I don't need to read it for the, the listeners, but it's the one where he's like, uh, she says, so like flocks to grow, herdmen to tend and watchers at the rim. Watchers at the rim. Yeah, we mm-hmm. of Alethala are those watchers, the warriors who protect and fight. We maintain the terrible arts of killing and then pass them on to the others when the desolation comes. I just love that so much. Like mm-hmm. they, like the, and he said, she says something like, we fight so that you don't. You know I mean? we, we we die so that you may live. Right. Fighting against the ten deaths changes a person. Right. I love that. I just love that whole part. Um, yeah. It's very, it's, very it's cool. So meaningful. Yeah. And then he's like, maybe Alfkar can be that too. Like maybe maybe one day our country can do that. Right. Can be the ones who fight for those who can't fight. 
Mm. And, uh, I, I just love that. That's great. And then he was um, curious as to whether these black things were void bringers. And she says, no, they, they, they are midnight essence. Yeah. And that's my, uh, I think I said last time that that's my, uh, my black metal name, my Norwegian black metal name for mm-hmm. my band. Mm-hmm. Very midnight nice. Essence. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. That's funny. The, uh, the female shard bearer leaves and mm-hmm. um, that's when Taffa's voice changes. Yes. So this is interesting. So yeah. this is like the final interesting part of this chapter. Dalinar's like, this is the voice that talks to me in all the visions. Hmm. Now it's now it's inhabiting Taffa, like like Dalinar is inhabiting this Heb character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um it says something like there were orders once, orders of these knights, that is, and they were focused. Um Delinar says that the, the voice seems faintly familiar to him, like more than just having heard them in the visions before. Like it just, it feels familiar to him. And Dalinar like tries to get answers to these questions, but he, the, uh, but this voice is always giving these vague responses, right? Mm. Well, it, it, the, the voice kind of reiterates one point that he's been hearing in these visions. And that is they were one, one, they were one once have to unite them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, sort of, I think littered throughout this, this chapter was the reference or mentioning of that. If you act with honor, honor, honor will aid you. Right. It's because he asks them straight up, right? Dalinar is like, okay, hold on. I need some kind of, some kind of response from you. So he's like, should I trust Sadius? S- Sadius. Mm-hmm. And the voice says, yes, this is important. Do not let strife consume you. Be strong. Act with honor, and honor will aid you. And then Dalinar was like, "Holy crap! I actually got an answer. Like all these times, mm-hmm. I I actually got an answer." And the voice says, "I'm sorry for not giving you more." Mm-hmm. And then Dalinar's back in the barracks, surrounded by his men, and he realizes he's got a demand from the king to try to work together, and he's got a voice potentially from the Almighty telling him he can trust Sadius. And then that's where the chapter ends. What's your, uh, what's your highlight for this chapter? Well, I had a few there mentioned. So going, going back, um, you know, it's just experiencing Dalinar and his moments of, of honor. So the, the, you know, the fact that he won't fill the hole with his wife, that's, that's huge for me. That that's was amazing. A, yeah. It's amazing. Huge highlight for me. Uh, you know, um, I think, think that the like that that line about the flocks to grow the herdsmen to tend and the watchers at the rim yeah it's such a nice line eh? i really i really like that um i i, I would say that uh you know getting you know see, seeing seeing dalinar in action and um i mean okay i mean highlight for me probably has to be the iron the iron poker and the, and the table like yeah, the smoke stance. Smoke stance with that. I mean, it just it just sums up everything that he's willing to do. Everything from grabbing the, the sack of grain to throw off the scent of the creature to asking about a cave and then wanting to, to find a river. You had, mentioned, you had mentioned last pod that we did, like the last time we tried to record this, that um, that one of the things that you liked the most about this was that it was building, it's world building so much so that it's building different 
fighting styles within their, like this nation, right? Like he's classically trained in wind stance, but he's really good at smoke stance. And it like kind of leaves you thinking like, what more is there? We're going to like, how much more are we going to understand of this stuff? Right? Like, it's so cool. Mm -hmm. It's just adding the, the complexity to, Mm -hmm. um, to the world and what, what, it could be so easy for Sanderson to say like he swings with a sword and he, you know what I mean? Like he just fights, but now he's like kind of getting into it. Like there's different styles of fighting. It's just really cool. Hmm. No, I, I would say that would be my highlight. And of course the, the, the villain itself was just, uh, was, uh, really interesting to, yeah. to imagine. And so I think I mentioned last, last time it brought sort of, uh, annotations of John Carpenter's thing to mind. Yes, for uh, sure. Yeah, there's definitely something there. There's something there. Uh, well, again, I, I, I like those words, la, the, uh, dark black thing. I thought that was uh, just a nice way to describe mm-hmm. it. And then uh, living night. I thought that was uh, it's really cool. My fa- my highlight for this chapter is just the fact that we finally get to see one of these visions. We keep hearing about them. Uh, the whole thing is fantastic. But the actual like the actual the stuff that happens in the vision is cool. But the fact that there is this vision and he gets transported, we, you know, we see these people, these villagers like Heb and Tefa, they look almost like um, they're like um, ancient people, you know, like the way that they're dressed and the stuff they have. This is taking place a long time ago. This mm-hmm. is- so he's getting a glimpse of these this other culture completely in this different time period. And that in itself is just amazing. Like, th- give me more of that. I want that all day long. It's so great. Highlight for me as well, vision, memory, or delusion. He could not stand aside. Mm-hmm. So he's going to act regardless. Well, he's already uh, acting with honor, right? That's how, who he is. Like the, the, this whole line that you just said is all about him acting with honor. Act with honor, apparently it will reward you. So. It will, yeah. Well, honor, it, it, it will, will aid it will, you, yeah. It will aid you, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got a little bit of info dump here, stuff that we didn't get to cover. Um, I have, uh, like I said, on that map, there's the list of the um, the high princes, and they're named Royon, Sadius, Aladar, Dalinar, Vama, Ruthar, Thanadal, Hatham, Bethab, and Sabariel. So those are the 10 high princes. At least they're easy to remember. uh, Yes, very, very easy to remember. Gus, Luke, Pete. (laughs) Buddy. Come on, on, Sanderson. Do us a favor here. Um, (laughs) Buddy. 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 Chuck. Chuck. (laughs) Um, uh, So the Arali leather worker that uh, Aladdin goes to see and asks about the cut um, has a metallic sheen to their hair and their hair is seen. If you have a, like a lock of it, it's seen as good luck. The, mm. um, the cobalt guard are, um, I think I had to um, reiterate this last time too. I think I said in a previous episode that I, uh, that the cobalt guard were the King's personal guard. And that's not true. The King's guard is the King's guard, which uh, Dalinar is the one who picks men, especially for that guard. For that, uh, yeah. The cobalt, uh, cobalt guard is, Dalinar's private guard, like the people who protect him as the high prince. So there's a little mm. bit of a distinction there, but they're mm. dressed in blue felt caps, cloaks over silvery breastplates, which I love the, the, the look of that. 
deep blue trousers, um, and light eyes of low ranks. These are all light eyes of low ranks, so they're uh, allowed to carry swords. Remember, dark eyes are not allowed to carry swords. Mm. Um, the windows uh, in these buildings at the Shattered Plains are cut into the leeward side. Again, this is the location and high storms. Are, this is um, uh, the buildings and architecture being uh, um, forced by high storms. Um, and then the wife in the vision says, sweet wisdom of Batar. So obviously Tar. some kind of god or maybe a herald or something or other that the, she's praying to. Um, and then uh, this last piece here, um, they're talking about the way of kings when Alucard is kind of giving uh, Dalinar uh, the nuts. And he says that um, the way of kings suggests that light eyes should be slave to dark eyes. And Dalinar says, actually, that's a misrepresentation. It's misinterpreted. You're only saying that because you don't know. Um, what he's really saying in the book is that a leader should serve those he leads. Not that dark eyes are in charge of light eyes, but that a leader, any leader, should serve those he leads and mm. that it's not, it's just a collection of stories. Um, and they are uh, like written. We think we got this last time, but they're pretty much like what the radiance, how the radiance live by, right? Like what um, it's like a, a roadmap to, to, to live a better life kind of thing. So yeah, that's all I got for my info dump. We didn't get a spreadhead uh, uh, alert this uh, episode. I no, 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 no spreadhead. But I was just thinking just now. I, I don't know why, but I was thinking uh, if I had to pick an alternate name for chapter nineteen, I might have called it uh, something concrete. Something concrete, because hmm. that's what uh, Dalinar um, when he gets a little answer whether he should trust Sadius or not. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He does. He finally gets something concrete. Yeah, you're right. That's actually really cool. And and then we as readers, we get something concrete because now we know what one of these visions is like. Right. We and we don't know whether or not we still don't know whether or not he's losing his mind. But at least we get to see what he sees. No. It's really cool. It's really really cool. So yeah, we're going to do chapters twenty, twenty one, and twenty two. Twenty two coming up. Yep. Yeah, three we chapters. should get on to that. The number 20 is very, very small, so it should go easy. It should be a quick episode. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to to start this thing rolling again. We took a few days off with our little recording mishap, and I uh, I miss doing this with you, man. It was, uh, it's was it been a few days. Well, I'm glad we did it. Uh, it's, too, it's too bad uh, we had to redo it, but at the same time, doing it again with you, my friend, always a pleasure. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, uh, if uh, anybody's listening out there and they want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash heroes of maybe you'll be able to find the rejected episode that we couldn't uh, publish. Uh, you can laugh at my deep uh, Barry white voice. Um, if you want to reach out and talk to us about the episodes or just to reach out and see what we're all about, you can find us on Twitter at heroes of one and on um, Instagram at heroes of Akathra. You can um, find the storm pod page on Facebook. Just look, look for storm pod. Um, yeah, we're, uh, Looking forward to talking to you again. All right, Jack. uh, Till next time. Till next storm. The Storm Pod is brought to you by Heroes Of. Theme song by Jack Forrest Productions. Additional music by Jason Moray. Produced by Jack, Jay, Phil, Mike, and Sean. The Heroes of Hakathra.